The following podcast involves extremely graphic subject matter, including the drinking of blood, necrophilia, and victim mutilation. Listener discretion is strongly advised. vampire is a creature derived from folklore. It exists by feeding on the blood of humans. In current times, this creature is simply a myth, though it is possible that certain mental illnesses can lead an individual to believe that they must feed on human blood. That is exactly what Richard Chase believed. You're listening to Unexplained Realms, the podcast. I'm Anne, your host, and I'm joined by producer Eddie V. Hi there. Join us for this twisted tale of the Sacramento Vampire. There are three factors in determining a sociopath or homicidal person. If any two of the factors, regardless of the combination, are present, it's almost certain the individual will commit murder. This is called the McDonald Triad. The triad was created by psychiatrist J.M. McDonald. The three factors are cruelty to animals, an obsession to start fires, and consistent bedwetting well past a specific age. Richard Trenton Chase exhibited all three factors by the age of 10. Born on May 23, 1950, in Sacramento, California. There isn't a lot of information about Richard's early childhood, though many state he was an abused child at the hands of his parents. By the time Richard was 18, he began to abuse drugs and alcohol heavily. He'd become a hypochondriac as well, constantly telling others that his heart would stop beating as someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. At times, his paranoia caused him to believe his blood was turning into powder. To alleviate his heart and blood conditions, that he believed he had, Richard would hold oranges on his head so the vitamin C would absorb into his brain. He later went on to shave his head as he believed his cranial bones were moving around and he wanted to watch them move. To cure his blood that he believed was turning to powder, Richard would visit the woods and capture small animals to kill and drink their blood. He believed the blood would cure his ailments. Richard also believed his mother was poisoning him. He moved out of his family home and into an apartment with roommates. His roommates found his abuse of alcohol, marijuana, and LSD unbearable. And if that wasn't bad enough, 
Richard roamed the apartment completely naked, regardless of who was present. Richard's roommates demanded that he move out of the apartment, but he refused. Deciding they simply could take no more of his erratic behavior, all of the roommates moved out. During this time that he was alone in the apartment, Richard began killing small animals again and bringing them back to the apartment to drink their blood. At times, he would place the dead animal in a blender and mix it with Coca-Cola. Drinking the blended blood in soda, he believed he was curing his shrinking heart. His stay in this apartment didn't last long as he could not afford the rent. Returning home, his father found Richard another apartment quickly. By 1973, Richard was 23 years old and was involuntarily committed to a mental institution. After injecting himself with rabbit's blood, he now had blood poisoning. Staff and patients at the facility were terrified of Richard. Some nicknamed him Dracula. Richard was often found with blood on him. He claimed it was due to shaving. Though he was actually biting the heads off of small birds and drinking their blood. He could reach through a small area of his window and grab the birds from their ledge and then bite their heads off. At times, Richard also drank blood from a therapy dog. He had stolen syringes and obtained the dog's blood to drink. Richard was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia He was given multiple tests surrounding psychotropic drugs. Once the facility placed Richard on medication, he was released. They believed he was no longer a threat to society. He was released in 1976 to his mother. His mother assisted him in lessening the amount of medication he was taking until he was completely off of it. She didn't feel he needed medication and was convinced he was cured. She then helped him obtain an apartment. Once again, he lived with roommates But not long after, they all moved out. In mid-1977, Richard was found naked in a field near Lake Tahoe, Nevada. He was covered in cow blood. Local residents had called regarding a man who was naked and bloody. 
Officers arrived and found a bucket of blood in Richard's truck. Determining it to be cow blood, they released him with no further action. A few months after this, on December 29th, 1977, Richard killed a father of two, 51-year-old engineer, Ambrose Griffin. He used a 22 caliber handgun during the drive-by shooting. Griffin was assisting his wife in bringing in groceries when he was gunned down. At this time, Richard was not a suspect in this crime. That's when his murder spree really began. Two weeks later, he attempted to enter a woman's home, but believed that a locked door meant he was not welcome. He firmly believed that unlocked doors were a definite invitation inside the home. In another incident, he entered the home of a couple. Their doors were unlocked. He went through their belongings and defecated and urinated all over their infant child's belongings. On January 23rd of 1978, he broke into the home of Terry Wallen Twenty-two-year-old Terry was three months pregnant and married to David Wallen, who was at work during the early afternoon attack. Once again, using a twenty-two caliber handgun, he shot Terry three times. Two of the shots were to her head. After shooting Terry to death, He dragged her body into her bedroom. He had sex with her corpse. He then went on to cut Terry's body open and remove several of her organs. He took her blood to the bathtub to bathe in it. Before leaving, Richard cut off one of Terry's nipples and drank the blood from her breast. He then shoved dog feces into her mouth and left the home. David Wallen arrived home after work and found his wife on their bed, mutilated. Horrified, he ran to a neighbor's home to call police. The first responding officer later stated that the scene had given him nightmares for months. FBI was called in as local authorities felt this gruesome crime could be the work of a serial killer. 
FBI agent Robert Ressler, who was skilled at profiling serial killers, came up with a profile and believed the killer would strike again if they weren't able to catch him quickly. FBI and authorities were not fast enough. On January 27th, he broke into 38-year-old Evelyn Miroth's home. Her friend Danny Meredith was present in the home, but was immediately shot by the 22 caliber handgun. Richard then shot Evelyn. Then he moved on to shoot her six-year-old son, Jason. The child was shot in the head as he was running to his mother's room. Then moving towards Evelyn's 22-month-old nephew, David Ferreira. He shot the infant in the head. He went on to have sex with Evelyn's corpse and cut slits in her neck to drink her blood. After mutilating Evelyn, he found the deceased 22-month-old. He cannibalized the child, eating brain matter and his organs. While mutilating and consuming David's body, there was a knock at the front door. The knock startled Richard. He grabbed Danny Meredith's car keys and fled the scene in the stolen car with the 22-month-old dead child. The visitor that startled Richard entered the home and discovered the mutilated bodies and called authorities. Authorities found perfect handprints and shoe imprints in the blood. Agent Ressler profiled Richard Chase. He believed the killer to be unorganized. Nothing would be planned or calculated. This led him to believe the red station wagon he had stolen would be nearby. And his home would most likely contain evidence. The stolen station wagon was found not far from Evelyn Morath's home. The driver door was wide open and the keys were still in the ignition. Agent Ressler believed the killer was not too far from the car. So more than 65 officers walked the streets of a specific perimeter. Some knocked on doors and others questioned residents walking in the area. They were specifically asking if anyone had seen a Caucasian man covered in blood. Authorities finally discovered Richard Chase's identity when a woman who had attended high school with him in 68 told police she had an encounter with him. On January 23rd, between 11.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., she was getting in her car to leave a local shopping mall when he approached her. She stated that his clothes hung loosely off of him and he was quite thin. 
His sweatshirt was covered in blood. And he followed her to her car and stated he just wanted to talk to her. She got into her car and he attempted to open her door. But she drove away. She identified the man as Richard Chase. Based on this information, they realized that Richard's apartment was a little less than a block from where they found the stolen car, and about a mile from the crime scenes. Authorities would stake out this apartment, and it wouldn't be long before they saw him leaving with a box under his arm. Surrounded, he attempted to run to his truck. Officers forcefully apprehended Richard Chase. They had to tackle him to the ground. Upon searching Richard, they found the 22 caliber handgun and Daniel Meredith's wallet in his back pocket. The box contained bloody rags he appeared to be throwing out. Once in Richard's apartment, they found a calendar marked with the words TODAY on the days he murdered Terry Wallen and Evelyn Miroth. Authorities went on to find a 12-inch butcher knife, rubber boots, animal collars, three blood-filled blenders, and containers inside the refrigerator with various body parts stored inside of them. The floors, walls, ceiling, and eating and drinking utensils, as well as the refrigerator, were covered in blood. They found several articles regarding the murder of Ambrose Griffin, but they found no signs of the missing 22-month-old that had been taken from the Miroth household. Baby David was found later on March 24th in a box, mutilated and decomposed in a vacant lot near a church. Very early in 1979, Richard Chase would stand trial He was charged with six counts of first-degree murder. This includes the murder of Ambrose Griffin, as shell casings were matched to Richard's gun, determining that he was, in fact, Griffin's killer. Richard Chase pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. This insanity plea was rejected, and on May 8, 1979, a jury found him guilty of all counts, sentenced to death at San Quentin State Prison. Richard Chase allowed Robert Ressler and John Conway from the FBI to interview him at San Quentin. During this interview, he stated he was aware that he had killed people but he believed it to not be his fault 
as he had to do whatever he needed to survive. He also spoke of UFOs and Nazis. He was very fearful of them. During the interview, he asked Agent Ressler for a radar gun so he could apprehend Nazis and UFOs. He felt the Nazis could stand trial for the murders rather than him. At one point during this interview, Richard Chase handed Agent Ressler macaroni and cheese that he had been saving for weeks in his pants pockets. He believed the prison was affiliated with Nazis and were trying to poison him through his food. He asked a wrestler to test the food for poison. On December 26, 1980, Richard Chase was found dead in his prison cell. A later autopsy found it was an overdose. He had apparently been saving his antidepressants for several weeks and for some reason took them all at once. Were the crimes committed by Richard Chase due to schizophrenia? Or were they drug-induced? Or could it have been both? Wow, that's practically in our backyard. For our listeners, we're about 90 minutes away from Sacramento. Very close to us. I had a hard time with this one. We know mental illness causes some odd things to happen, but the dog feces in the mouth, that sounded personal. Richard Chase was a very sick individual. The whole thing may have given me a light case of PTSD for a minute. These are things a decent human being should never even hear about, let alone experience dead or alive. And not that I might be considered decent, depending on who you ask. Just (laughs) kidding. But on a more serious note, right away I recognized the name of FBI agent Robert Ressler, a very well-known criminal profiler. I remember that he is often credited with coining the term serial killer. He also worked on the Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy cases, among other high-profile cases. His visit to Juarez, Mexico to consult on the infamous and still active femicide cases inspired the character in a novel titled 2666 by Chilean author Roberto Bolaño and a screenplay adaptation of a former colleague's book was picked up by Netflix. What was the show on Netflix? It's called Mindhunter. Oh, yeah. I loved that show. It was addicting. I was thinking of looking it up and watching it. I wonder if it's still on there. I think they're in season two now. It's a bit of a blessing that we haven't seen too many killers that are this gruesome anymore. Could be that the FBI has a better handle on these types of things. Who knows? Guess it's all unexplained (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to unexplained realms the podcast find more about us at unexplainedrealms.com you can also find us on instagram twitter and facebook and don't forget to smash the like and subscribe buttons support for this podcast comes from anchor.fm and v media studios